Ravel Radio is a podcast where we tackle the obstacles that make being a female entrepreneur harder than it has to be and dig in to find creative ways to build a business that aligns with our values, supports our well-being, and lets us make a positive impact without sacrificing ourselves in the process. So welcome back to Ravel Radio. I'm with Sarah Walton today, and we're going to talk about abundance and believe it or not, data. <laughs> is this... <laughs> That just just yeah. that introduction makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> and the host falls off the chair. Yeah, I understand here. Well, tell us about you first. Sure. Best intro ever. Hi, Kara. Hi. So uh, anyway, um, yeah. So my name is Sarah Walton, and I'm an intuitive business coach. I really believe in gut and instinct when it comes to business. I think it's what a really great business owners know. Um, and I'm a sales expert. I love teaching the skill of sales. And I call it a skill because I think anyone can learn it. And I think we can do it in a way that's very heart-centered and with a lot of integrity and love. And I love teaching that to people who've had a hard time making money in their business or they're not sure that it's ethical or doesn't this make me a bad person? So we really dive into money beliefs and what's driving those fears. Um and I do this because I was raised in an extremely poor household. And, you know, sometimes I say that and people go, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm like, no, there were times where we had half a loaf of bread that my mother had made from scratch and a jar of honey, the end. And people go, come on, they can't be real. I'm like, no, that's actually real. There were a lot of times that's what we had for dinner. Um, but when I was really little, I saw the Nutcracker on TV and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. I don't know what that is that they're doing on the stage, but I want in and I want to do that. And so, you know, we were super broke as I was saying. So it's not like dance classes were in my future by any stretch of the imagination. So um, for those of us that are 355 years old, I learned how to dance by watching MTV. <laughs> All right, so we're talking Janet Jackson, Paula Abdul, Dancing with Cartoon Cats, whatever I was in. It was hot. It was awesome. And um, the one thing I really, really wanted to do was join my high school dance team. That was like a big thing for me. I was raised in a little town outside of Salt Lake City. So the dance team was a big deal. I was so excited. And it came time to try out. And after many bruises on my knees and a lot of Paula Abdul chair throwing, um, I made the team. I was very excited, so happy. And I was in this tight knit community and everybody knew people brought me flowers. It was like this big deal. And then I got the letter that talks about the company jacket and the shoes and the costumes and how much all this is going to cost. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you like sort of pull away from something and watch yourself go through an experience. You're like, oh, that's happening right now. But that's sort of what reading that letter was like to me because there was just no way. And I'm watching this dream I've had since watching the Nutcracker. I'm just watching it evaporate. Um, and so what I did again, for those of us that are old enough to remember, uh, I got a job at the mall. And if you don't know what a mall is, cause they don't really exist anymore. Just think stranger things. So I got a job selling tchotchkes from a cart, but it was the eighties. So it was cool. Cause everybody needed tchotchkes and, um, it came time to cash my first check. I was so excited because it was enough for the deposit on these dance costumes. Right. So I'm super thrilled and I don't have my own bank account. So my mom takes me to the grocery store to cash my check. And I'm like, this is amazing. And as we're walking in with my younger half-brother, she says, Sarah, the strawberries are on sale. Can we get some? So I'm thinking of my costume, I'm thinking of the strawberries. And I'm like, yes, we can do this. So I go to get my check cashed. She goes to get what I think are the strawberries. And I go to meet her in the checkout, the express checkout line, and she's not there. And I'm walking up and down the aisles. And I'm like, okay. And I finally see her in line with a cart filled with groceries. And it's like lunch meat for my brother's lunch and bread, his favorite breakfast cereal. There's milk, the damn strawberries are in the cart. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I can pay for something I've wanted since I can remember, or I can buy food for my family, but I can't do both. And at the ripe old age of 16, that is one hell of a belief to take on. Except that, oh, don't we all have that belief to some extent? And it carried me all the way through being the only woman in my family to go to college. I have 65 cousins, so that's no small feat. Um, I left Little Sandy, Utah. I moved to New York. I have this amazing corporate job. I have this beautiful glass office. I have a staff of 25. It's amazing. 
except I'm miserable. <laughs> and I'm said, I worked with wonderful people. It wasn't that, but I'm standing there in my office or sitting rather in my office and I'm hearing the clock tick away the seconds of my life. And I'm like, well, I can't get that one back. Oh, I can't get that one back. I can't get that one back. And at that moment, it's so wild. My daughter had just called me and said, mommy, I miss you. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I remembered that moment in the grocery store. And I was like, oh my God, I'm taking care of my family, but I'm not taking care of myself. I was like, it was like one of those, like, I don't know if you like someone hit you on the back of the head with a baseball bat moment. It was like, oh my God, all of a sudden my whole life made sense. Like I made a decision at 16 and made it real. And that's how I was living my life. And, um, And I don't mean to leave people hanging. People get mad at me. I always forget this. That day I paid for the groceries. Everyone's always like, what? I'm like, I'm sorry. And so I paid for the groceries that day. And um, another woman in my community heard what had happened. Makes me cry. And she got my costumes for me, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2019, I got to hold a conference in Salt Lake City. And I got to bring her up on stage. And I said, for all of you who've heard my grocery store story, this is the woman who bought my costumes. And it just meant so much. She actually passed away in 2020. So it was like this amazing, like full circle moment. But, you know, bringing her up on the stage, and I didn't mean to say this. I don't know if this happens to you, Kara, but sometimes stuff just falls out of our faces. Uh, Yeah, it happens to me. It was You're like, did I, where'd that come from? It was amazing. Uh, But I was standing there and realizing, even for me, like, you know, sometimes in business, we tell our stories and we tell them so often we can even get disconnected. I hope that never happens, but it can happen a little. So to have her up on that stage and all the people who know me from the East Coast flew out there and it was like, no, this is this is real. This is the woman who changed my life. And that had me lead to this is what happens when women have money. This is what we do with it. Yeah. And these are the lives we change with it. And had she not had money in her hands that day, to help me, I couldn't be here helping you. And it was like this moment of like, this really is why I do it. This is why I care so much that women learn how to sell. This is why I care so profoundly that we understand abundance is real and it's alive and we have access to it. Because when we live in the other world that's been created, that's filled with lies and illusions, it is heartbreaking. People lose their children, they lose their relationships, they lose their joy, they lose their lives, right? Like that moment that I was sitting in my office, what kind of life is that? We were not put here to sit in glass offices and stare at computer screens. Like that's not what we were put here to do. And so when I have opportunities like this to really talk about it, I always, it's so important to me that people know this is not like, I didn't like pick up a book one day and decide, oh, I'm going to be this is good. Yeah, this work, and I, and it's so important to me that we have these conversations and that we take these ideas out there into the world and have a living from it, right? Create money and careers and salaries and health insurance in this crazy country where we need health insurance and like we that we do the stuff that we need to do to take care of ourselves and our families and that it's completely possible to do both. Oh, that's a beautiful story. I'm so glad your your neighbor lady. She was she your neighbor or just another member of the community? Was one of my closest friends' moms. Okay, and she. I'm heard. glad that she had the money, the resources to do that for you. I know, and you're yes. right. That's what women do when we have money. We take care of everyone else. It's true. We do. We do. She changed. She changed my life that day. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So you mentioned the lie. <laughs> the lie. That that world where people live in glass buildings and don't get to pick their kids up from school because they're, you know, not off till five and the kids get out at two and the probably scarcity that we're all living in. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about how we should think differently about that. Oh, gosh, so much in that. That is like one of the best questions (laughs) ever. Um, There is a fantastic book. it's called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And I'm so upset. I, this book was like released in the early 90s. And I'm so happy to see her making a resurgence. I think she was just on Marie Forleo's podcast. I haven't listened to it yet in full disclosure. But I'm so happy to see this woman out and about because boy, is her message amazing. And I think she frames it really well in that book. She talks about the, the three myths that keep us broke 
right? That keep us okay. like, I can't pick up my kids because I have to pay the mortgage. It's like, then why do you have a mortgage? If you're like, why, what are we doing? Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. Make um, and the myths are <laughs> there's not enough. More is better. And this is just the way it is. I particularly disagree with the last one. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's how this keeps going, right? People but yeah. It's like, but you don't understand. I have a mortgage. You don't understand. I can't do that. That's for you. That's for other people. You don't get, like, that's where that belief is inserted. So break those down for me. Life. Yeah. There's not enough. It's <laughs> my favorite. How is there enough? Oh, my favorite thing I love to say to people is like, go look at a garbage can at an amusement park and tell me there's not enough. There is so much food in there, right? There is so much liquid in there that could be used for so many people. And we can drop bombs within inches of where we need them to go. Oh, but we can't get food there. We can't get water there. We can't get medicine there. What are you talking about? Yeah. That is a lie. And there's more than enough. We have enough. Now, the way that we're consuming it right now, and the way we're dealing with it, we might destroy that, but there's enough right now, right? It's a kind of that idea of like, when I tell people like they get a bill that they can't pay or a surprise or something, and they're like, what? No, this is real and scarcity. I'm like, take a breath because you're not going to have the ideas for the generation of that revenue in that moment, right? You're just not because you're right. terrified. And rightly so. You get to have that freak out, be in it, experience it because that's what will have you go through it. And I want you to lift your head up and I want you to notice everywhere that the sunshine is touching everywhere. Go look outside of a window and I want you to see there is no scarcity out there. Take another deep breath. Look at how much space there is. And I love doing this with people. My mom was an artist. She was amazing. Anyway, so I asked her once, I was like, how do you draw? Like, like my brain does not work that way. Like, I'm like, yeah, same. no art. I'm like, I don't know, it's magical, right? So I said, how do you do? She said, I look at the space in between. Uh, she would do portraits and she was working on eyelashes. Literally, when I asked her this, I said, how do you? She said, oh, I don't look at what I'm drawing. I look at the space around what I'm drawing. I, I mean, not huh. just that just that perspective shift will mess with you for days. Like really yeah. Yeah. driving and you're like, there's so much space. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around it right now. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Like look at the space in between your hairs, in between your eyebrows, in between your hair and your neck. In between, it's like wild. And that perspective shift goes from what we think is finite to what is infinite. And that little shift will start to have you think differently about that bill in the moment. I mean, we are talking real life. This is why I say it's not woo, because it's in the moment. Immediately, you'll be like, oh, my God, I needed to call that guy Bob back. I Oh, that's right. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the bill's covered. And it really does work. I've done this with so many people. And the other thing I'll say is flip to the bottom of your text list and text the person on the very bottom. And oh, just, that's like, smart. Watch what happens. It's unbelievable. We that's have so brilliant. Many. Yeah, it's so fun. And it's fun too. I got to tell you, someone once was like, does that work? I said, my highest to date, that was a $56,000 text. I sent yeah. one. You know exactly what I'm going to be doing when I get off this call. <laughs> now I'm, who is at the bottom of my text list? Is there a bottom even? I know, right? Can I, I get there? I don't know. It's amazing. It's so okay, so what was the second thing? Yeah. So that's, there's not enough. We know now that's a lie. Okay. I mean, think about how many people you just thought about when you thought of your text list, right? Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about that before we jump on to the next lie um, is that uh, money will always come into your world through people. That's the only way money comes in is through other people. So anytime you get worried, there's not enough. I always invite people to go sit in a Starbucks and look at the amount of money flying around this planet all the time. And all you have to do is jump into the flow of that by offering something that people need. And that's simple, not easy, but very simple. And that really is at the heart of business. If you can help someone, you can jump into the flow of abundance in about 2.2 seconds. So don't ever let anyone tell you there's not enough. There is so much. It's a matter of shifting your perspective to see it. I like that. Yeah. Jump into the flow. Yeah. Just to do go. That's a good visual too. Oh yeah. Kills me. The amount of money flying. I'm like, dudes, there's been like $20,000 flew around this joint in three seconds. Like what is happening? It's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, okay. So the other one is that uh, more is better. This one is, I think, particularly malicious. 
because it won't let you relax. So it doesn't matter if you've made $10 million, right? Because 10 million and one is better. So it's like too bad, glad you're happy, suck it up because you need to make more. It's like, there's no end. Um, and it's also not true. I work a lot with people who are like, I really wanted a bigger house. And then they're like, who the hell is cleaning this sucker? Like, yes. I, yes. I have like 1600 square feet and I don't want another square foot more. Not another one. Right. Right. And that is living in the truth. So the lie is more is better. Right. And it's so simple to get caught up in it. There's like this unbelievably powerful collective unconscious, right? And you can feel when someone's feeling that needy, like, oh, you got me back. Oh my God, I love your shit. Like you can feel yeah. that conversation and it's so easy to just get sucked right into it. That's another great moment to find space or take a breath. Another thing I say to people is wiggle your toes. No one knows you're doing it, but it'll pull you right back into reality. And you'll be like, I actually don't want any of that stuff. <laughs> you're like, I'm actually really good. So fun. Um, but this idea has us working ourselves to death. It has us breaking up relationships. It has us overeating. It has us over drinking. It has us over smoking, right? All the people, and we all know we all have vices. We all have ways that we cope. Yeah. And at the heart of that need to cope is the myth that more is better. Huh. So just wiggle our toes or is there to kind of ground ourselves and two seconds. Yeah. I love it. I do it. Um, I'll tell people to do it in meetings when they're nervous before you get on a sales call, or if somebody says something on a call and you're like, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Right. You get nervous. Wiggle your toes. Yeah. I've noticed, I've noticed that when I get that kind of feeling like, Oh, I need that thing too. It, if I wait long enough, it passes. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part, I think, for me is human design helped me a little bit with that because any kind of big decision, I'm, um, cause I'm a generator. And so I'm, oh. and I have the emotional wave. So I'm supposed to wait 24 hours before making any big decisions. Right. And yeah. I have noticed that if I wait 24 hours, I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to spend my money on that. I don't really want that. And I don't have room for it in my house anyway. What a, that what kind a of thing or in space yeah. in my life or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But and it's I hard to be patient. And you yeah. could make space for it, right? The idea is actually it's yeah. matter enough to do we, it. We right? prioritize whatever's important. We make space for whatever we prioritize right. in our lives. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, the toe wiggling, it pull, it just pulls you out of that, out of your head. Heads. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how many of us just live in our heads? Oh, I'm guilty. hundred percent. I, it's a little bit scary when I think about how much time I'm in my head versus in my body. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here thinking like, yeah, that's about right. But the toe wiggling works. Um, and it works. I work a lot I'll with try people who've gone through physical traumas and things like that. And the toe wiggling works there too. Like getting back in your head or remembering the moment or something about like, it can happen that way. You know, you just wiggle your toes. Oh, oh, that's right. I'm safe. And part of that more is better. More is better feels so unsafe to us because you can't get there. There's no end. But you can't, right. It doesn't even matter where you, because more is better. So you can't, that is scary. And it causes fear. It causes anxiety. Yeah. So wiggling your toes pulls you back down to the ground, has you go, oh, I'm actually safe. I'm good. And it just reminds you of the truth, not the lies, not the distractions, the truth. You're okay. And it's as simple as wiggling your toes, always accessible and free. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm equating it to this feeling like when you go on a hike for the first time on a trail you've never been on or a mountain bike ride or something and you don't know like you're suffering a little bit. It's hard work and but you don't know where the end is. Mm -hmm. And the second time you do that ride, it's always a hundred times easier because you know how much harder you have to work to get to where you need to go. But with that mindset you're talking about where more is always better, there's no end. You're never done with that that like kind of just low grade suffering, which is probably another myth that it's hard, that it should be hard. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's exhausting. Yeah. yeah. And totally unfair. Yeah. You can't get out. Yeah. So we want to pull ourselves. It's almost like I kind of envision it sometimes here. Like there's this cloud of madness, right? That we all kind of stand up and stick our heads in and we walk around like that's normal. And wiggling your toes can help you pull out from under that cloud to see the truth. Got so many good visuals. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where. Again, don't know where they come from. It's Wish the artist. Credit, but... Your mom, the, your mom, the artist is coming out in your 
your mental visuals is where it's coming out. Oh, I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> You're so kind. I'm going to have to tell her that. I love it. <laughs> manifest how it wants to manifest. Come through me, girl. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Uh, yeah. So those are the first two. And then the last one is just, this is just the way it is. And that allows, that gets everybody off the hook. It's not my fault. I, I just, I have to pay the mortgage. So I'm going to give up my whole life to do that. And that's the way it is. Um, is that just a learned helplessness from being a child or living in a place where it's hard to get things done on a grand scale or? It's a really great question. I had never thought of it as learned helplessness, but absolutely. I mean, it is. You're trained as a child. Well, that's nice. I want a million dollars too, right? Like that kind of yeah. an attitude of like, yeah, how nice kid grow up. And yeah. we hear it in, in different phrases like that. Like, oh, it must be nice to have a hobby as your husband rich. Like that's because the way it is, lady, is the only way to make money is to do X, Y, Z. You've got to sell your soul. Or we can also hear it in money myths, right? Like rich people are bad. Yeah. That's just the way that is. Well, what if we get money in the hands of a whole bunch of incredible people? All of a sudden, that won't be the way it is. That's what I'm right? saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to just tip the scale here. Like, right. Right. yeah, I mean, think about the other things our parents say to us when we grow up that just kind of get lodged in our subconscious and, and function on a daily basis. Like, it's time to grow up and be responsible. You can't live like, you know, you're living in a fantasy world. Mm. Mm. And you can hear the underlying myth. Yeah. This is the way it really is. And you are trying to buck the system and that's making me uncomfortable. Please stop. Yeah. And that's what's at work there. And we really, you know, we know, right, as as coaches, right, that human behavior never alters because of shame or anger. It will only ever alter out of love and compassion. And so as we ourselves are working through these three myths to shed them, the love and compassion we give ourselves, because we were born into these, mm-hmm. this is embedded in the human psyche as real, right? It's kind of like the matrix. I don't know if you know yeah. this, the brothers actually wrote it for that reason of like, you need to unplug. This isn't real life. Unplug and see what's actually happening. Um, and so this human psyche that we are born into, and then we start inhaling from second one, it's not our fault and it's not their fault. It's been here. And for whatever reason, our psyche has not caught up, but that doesn't mean we can't help. And so as we do that, we we pour love on this, we pour compassion on this. And so if you blow it and freak out and go buy a bag because everybody else had it, there's no shame, there's no anger, there's a lot of compassion about like, oh my gosh, I must have been really scared. I must have been really hurting because wow, right? And it's almost like, how would you talk to yourself if you were three and you did that, right? You did that thing. It's like you wouldn't scream at a child the way we scream at ourselves. And I know people, you know, in the coaching industry are like, be kind to yourself. Kind of, but it's a lot deeper than that. It's about really connecting and understanding and having compassion for the brutality of this world. Right. And it doesn't mean we can't undo it. Again, I'm not saying this is the way it has to stay at all. I think this is totally workable. But we also have to tell the truth about the depths to which it exists. Because if we try to fix that real fast with with like really great manifestations or affirmations, that'll work for a little bit. But until we're honest about how deep it goes, we can't get to the root of it and really start to heal. And it is my perspective that this is a healing work. It's not just a like an altering work, right? And I always say we coaches know we're doing a great job when we start to alter human behavior. If we can have someone actually change their behavior and take on life in a different way, yes. Right. Like, oh, my God, amazing. And the only way to do that is to get to the deep rooted healing that needs to take place that wasn't even put there by us. Right. And that's the hard part um, in in really healing through this is all the compassion that's needed. I see it play out so often when I'm having conversations with other entrepreneurs. Like we just had a mastermind a few minutes ago about when we ended up talking about launching and everybody's launching something. So I have to launch something and I can't just keep it open. I have to launch it. And then there's all the pressure to do all the social media and be everywhere all at once. And it's like, there's, we're, we're always looking outside of ourselves instead of inward to see what we need. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. brings me back to the intuitive business coach aspect of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'd love you to touch on that, if you will, for just a minute, because I love like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I love there's an idea there that very, very much appeals to me. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Yeah, I want that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I want it. it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. So I have actually just recently, okay, Kimono Open, have come to understand I'm a highly sensitive. I didn't even know this term. I did not know what that was. Someone was like, you are. I'm like, I am not. (laughs) I was like, nah, you can't make it. Um, But no, I truly am like off the charts, highly sensitive. I'm like, what? And um, what I've started to understand in that is what it takes for us to manage our own nervous systems, our own, like literally physiologically to manage that well, um, but also emotionally. And what I found is what launches do to people, and listen, I launched too. I, there's, I mean, I do, I have affiliate, like we do great stuff. I love it. It's so much fun. And when it's not, I don't do it. I'm not knocking launches, by the way, anyone who does launches who's listening. I'm just saying it's not the answer to everything all the time. I'm applauding. Yeah, no, but it's true. And the real, I'm sorry, I went a long way to answer your awesome short question. But the reason I we pick launches, right, is because I think they're the thing that can cause the most stress. People do them just because they do it. Like you said, it's like buying a bag. It's like, but everybody's ah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe, maybe. Absolutely. That might be absolutely the most viable option. And maybe what you need to do is journal every day for 30 minutes, for 30 days. Maybe we do that instead. And when I've assigned that to clients or I've had it assigned to me, I cannot believe what happens. And I don't, again, I love my some data, so I don't mean to sound magical, but it is a mind blowing what starts to happen. The last time I did that, this is going to, you guys are going to be like, what? The last time I did that, I had a thought that actually en- ended up generating $500,000 a month from journaling. That, does, that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility to me. Uh, no launch, no craziness, no madness. There was something I had on the shelf I'd forgotten about. And because I was journaling, not, not busy launching, not keeping up with everybody at that moment. Rather, I was looking at like, wow, what would it mean for me? If I was able to, right now, one of my big goals is to buy my father's house for him, right? So it's like, what would it be like for me if I was able to do that? What would that mean for me in my life? What would change for me? How would I view myself? How would I view the world? Right, And I'm journaling on that. And all of a sudden, I remembered I had a course in the, and I never <laughs> released it. I mean, the course too. Like, well, hello. When you're, right? when you're on a treadmill or a hamster wheel like that and you can't slow down your nervous system is constantly stressed out you can't be like we talked about creative your nervous system has to be chill to be creative to create whatever that next thing is so hold on real quick do you journal by hand or do you type i journal by hand um and i actually really like um auto journaling and i don't know not everybody knows what that is you actually uh journal with your eyes closed People are like, you do that by hand? I'm like, I didn't say it was pretty. Um, but I do find closing my eyes and journaling. Listen, you guys, we've all been writing for so long. It's not like you write on your face or your desk or like you know where the page is, right? Like you write like a person. Um, it's not as easy to read as the part where I write down the question I'm asking myself that day. You can always tell once I close my eyes. But I find closing my eyes, it keeps me in that realm of total connection to the best parts of me. Some people call it God. Some people call it the universe, but whatever that highest energy source is, I don't have access to it for me personally as well when my eyes are open. Um, and I love so, that idea. Yeah. It's really, it's really powerful. And I only do it for about 10 minutes a day. I just set a little timer for 10 minutes and that's it. Um, but it generates a ridiculous amount of ideas and revenue and plans accidentally. Like I didn't start journaling that to come up with that idea. The idea came back to me because I was calm and I was happy Mm -hmm. and I was focused on abundance. Um, And so that's how I say, you know, tapping into that power, wiggling your toes in a moment when everyone else is launching, it's like, whoa, do I actually want to do that right now? Let me sit back for a hot second And let me check in with me. Like you just said, I love how you said that, Kara. That was brilliant. Like 
It's so great that everybody's launching. That's awesome. Let's wish everybody so much luck. I hope there's so much money made by all these killer, amazing, yeah. people, right? Like go get them. And for you right now, that might not work. Maybe your nervous system is off or maybe you're dealing with something in your family or maybe you've got enough that you've got to fulfill on right now and you need to do that well. Um, and so it's like really taking that moment by wiggling your toes to step back, journal, read, pause, chill for a second. And then it might come back like, no, that is absolutely the best next step for me. But at least then, you know, and I think that intuitive piece of us is the part of us. We shut down the most often to make sure everyone else is comfortable. Yeah. Um, And the reason I call myself an intuitive business coach is when I teach other people how to tap back into that intuition, but also I'll have it sometimes too. I'll be like, are you mad at your dad? And they're like, how the flip did you know? I'm like, I don't know how I knew. Like, I'm not going to pretend. I'm that no scares idea. people it when does. you're little, like, when you're, when you're maybe a little bit, what are they? Claircognizant mm-hmm. are you? And we probably all are to a certain extent, right? We've got our intuition. We just know things sometimes. And, but, but in a world where facts and logic reign supreme, that not only scares adults, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't math. When you just know things. And so, yeah, you're right. We shut that down like toot sweet to make room for ourselves to be accepted and, you know, not feared. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing. You say it's not mathed, which I love. That's just gorgeous. Um, But there actually is a term for this now as we systematically shut down our access to ourselves. Um, And it was coined by Terry Cole in the book called Boundary Boss, Boundary Boss. I don't love the title of that book, but boy, do I love that I know, book. but I love that book. I love that book. It's so good. I always tell people, I'm like, don't judge it by its title. It's amazing. It's a good um, book. <laughs> it's really good. But um, but high-functioning codependence is what yeah. that's called, right? Yeah. Where it's like, when we're little, going back to our parents again, right? So when we're little and we have emotions or we're upset or we want to do something and um, it makes other people uncomfortable, the, the response is, please stop doing that. You're making me uncomfortable. Um, and we learn very young through messages like, oh, don't cry. Where's my pretty girl? Mm-hmm. Right. Things like that. Like your emotions. Nobody like, likes a sourpuss. Put a smile on your face. There you go. Don't stop having feelings. Be a robot. <laughs> You're making me uncomfortable. It's better right? for everyone. Yeah. Shush, shush, shush. Right. And then we have all the women right now in the yeah. world. So this is one of the reasons I work exclusively with women, but doing all of the invisible unpaid work that makes society work. And we keep doing that because of high functioning codependence, right? People are like, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're killing it. Like all that crazy stuff we tell each other. And it's perpetuated by other women. Again, going back to the myths, we've been breathing this for so long. We don't even realize we do it. And if you think you don't do it, one of my favorite scenarios is uh, school lunches in my little town. Um, Moms. I say moms, volunteered to do lunches, right? To help do the lunch. And if there's ever a father who walks in, every woman goes, oh my God. Meanwhile, there's a woman standing next to them who's been there every day for three months and they don't even see her. And so that's why I say it's perpetuated by us, not because we're bad and wrong. We've just been in it for so long and we really need the support of each other to say, you are freaking awesome for yeah. being here every day. Do you know how amazed, do you know the school would fall apart if you weren't here? And if you ever don't want to do this anymore, you don't have to. If you decide you want to go do something else, I got your back. That kind of stuff to be there with each other. Because honestly, if you stand in here long enough, it stops smelling. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we are. We're all standing in it, doing all of the invisible unpaid work that makes everybody else's lives happy. Yeah. Right. And that comes from high-functioning codependence, which comes from shutting down your access to your intuition. It's a really long answer. And it's so it's so subtle that sometimes you don't like. Recently, the stuff that's starting to stand out to me, and this is my poor husband. He is a good man, people, and he's grown up in a society where women do the mental unpaid labor. So. I'm keeping track of the dentist appointments and the doctor's appointments and where's my belt and where's my wallet. And, oh, I forgot to check jury duty when I went before I went to bed last night. Can you snap a picture of it and send it to me at work? Like all of those little things, they kind of add up and they take up space in our brains that we could be using to create something different or better for ourselves. Yep. That's exactly right. We have to shut down that part of ourselves that says this doesn't feel right. 
Like, why am I doing all this stuff? That's exactly right. Or I'll say to women, the, the <laughs> whenever I say invisible unpaid work on a podcast, I get an email in a couple of days. I was making the bed and I was like, oh my God, Sarah, what we said, the invisible unpaid work. I'm like, yes, that's it. <laughs> right. I love it because people start to wake up, but that's the invisible unpaid work, right? Is you're the director of home operations, basically. Yeah. Right. But it comes with as an afterthought that no one even notices. Yeah. And again, that's not like men are bad, women are great. Oh, no, not, not at all. Saying. It's not just at all. set up this way. It, and, and and we're so, just on yeah. autopilot. Like, right. right. This you'll love this. I my husband has a job finally, like where he can go buy the grocery store on the way home. It's 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 there. He can do it. And so I'm like, hey, guess what? Um, I have ADHD. I'm not good at grocery shopping. I'm not doing it anymore. And, you know, so we have this fight for a little while and then he agrees to go to the grocery store and do it. And he goes, I'll go on the way home. Can you make me a list? And I'm like, wow, are you freaking kidding me? No, I'm not making you a list. That's the hardest part. (laughs) That's the hardest part. Because the list includes meal planning. Yes. I don't know. I have to look and see what we have, Mm -hmm. what we need. Anyway, I digress. No, but it's, but it's really indicative of how we have been trained right to your to your question like what the heck does an intuitive business coach do my job is to help you tap back into your intuition which through moments like this we lose access to yeah and it's so weird you're like how is that connected it's because you're shutting parts of yourself down you know there was this great there was this great meme i saw it was probably like a year ago or something a woman posted in her stories on instagram and it was like my writing coach told me that I need to spend four hours writing before my day job and four hours writing when I get home. And that's when I realized he had a wife. (laughs) I I just like, oh my God. But I mean, how terrible is that? And I used to, when I was incorporated in my beautiful glass office, I'd forget something and be like, damn it, I need a wife. And I was like, how terrible is that? And that's what I mean by like, we have got to have so much compassion and love because for each one of us, it is so deeply ingrained and none of us are special. It's not like one of us can be like, well, I'm totally healed and it's over. Like, you know, <laughs> all of us have to be there with each other for a while. We're talking about eons of coding, right? Of like mental coding. Yeah. We are existing today because of. Um, and we really got to work out. We need to be there for each other and so much love, so much compassion, so much kindness. Um, and that is really the only way to access this and to really alter our behavior to the point where it's like, oh, nobody, nobody made a list or went shopping. Cool. How should we, how should we fix we that? That's right. Yeah. That's our not, plan here. Yeah. And it's about the conversations, right? As the conversations of like, look, you're an, you're an amazing human. I'm an amazing human. There's a way for us to deal with this. So we're going to deal with this, yeah. you know, um, and we can do this together. And I just want, you know, I just learned this about myself and it's pretty freaking amazing. And I don't think you would want me to feel that way. I don't want to feel this way. And we don't want to role model this for the kids either. Right. So there's this, and of course I'm speaking traditional family, but it always happens. There's always one partner. It does not matter what the relationship looks like. There's always one partner that takes on more of the invisible unpaid work. Yeah. And that's fine. As long as it's a conversation, because that work needs to get done. Mm -hmm. And just because we don't pay for it doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's incredibly valuable, right? So that's us reworking our own brains to appreciate it more, to be honored when we do it, right? And to honor ourselves when we do it, not to have it be like something we have to rush around and do or we're bad. It feels like I'm connecting the dots to the things that you're saying. It feels like a lot of this rushing around for women is is preventing us from wiggling our toes as often as we need to wiggle our toes. And when I say we let, let me make sure I understand wiggling your toes doesn't necessarily mean literally wiggling your toes. It can, but your 10 minute journaling every morning, that's wiggling your toes. Correct. You're, you're taking some time to, to stop, to slow down and to reconnect with yourself, to ground into whatever it is you need to ground into in the moment, but not just to keep going and pushing and doing the thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. And that's hard in a society where more is better, right? And we've never enough that our value is based on how productive we are, Mm -hmm. which is false. It's also a lie, right? Absolutely not. The fact that we're breathing and that we can love there. We are worthy of anything and everything the universe has to offer because we're alive. 
So, and it's God, it's everywhere. Yesterday, I wasn't feeling fantastic. So I read a book most of the day. And my husband came home, What'd you do today? And I felt like I had to make up a story. I felt like I had to be like, Well, I walked, I did walk the dog. Like, there's all these things that I should have done when the Mm -hmm. truth was nothing really had to happen yesterday. So I just went with what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. But that's not, that's not a Monday morning. That's right. That's right. That's not how we're supposed to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to be productive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we know when we're in that versus when you're joyously creating and you have so much energy and it's wonderful. That's when you know you're in that zone of accessing the highest version of yourself. That is honoring your instinct, right? You're feeling that in that moment. Um, and so when we're looking at, should I launch? Should I not launch? What should I do? It's like, I don't know. You've got to tap into your intuition. I always say to people, I do you so you can go do your business. Like that's the deal is like, let's get you reconnected to you because the world has systematically disconnected you from you and told you to shut down every part of you that is creative, that is emotional, or that is uncomfortable for someone else. And that's actually not going to work anymore. Yeah. We get to a point. It just doesn't work anymore. The coping mechanisms that have been covering up the dysfunction for so long, it's just not working anymore. Right. Wrap this back to the data for me so <laughs> that so that I can sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. So I always say the key to true abundance is data. People go, bless you. Yeah. No. So um, when I'm talking about data, I am talking about any feedback. I love me a spreadsheet. I am a spreadsheet junkie. I love tracking our open rates and our click-through rates and how well our ads are doing. And I love tracking um, the way different colors perform. I do. I'm a such that a That is kind of cool. Love it. Yeah, it's like bananas. Like I'm like, the why AV does the red is one work? <laughs> I don't understand why the red one works and the black one doesn't work. Like, what is happening? Like, it's just why are people the way they are? The ugly ad one again, amazing, right? Like, that's so cool. So the key to abundance is data. What I mean by that is there's so many times in business where we have, I say this with love, childlike thinking. And that childlike thinking is the next launch is going to fix it. If I could just launch, if I just could just get one thing, it's going to be all fixed. This is the thing, people. I'm going to do this one, right? That sort of, that's not how business actually works. Business works when you get the right solution in front of a person with a problem. Literally, that's it. Again, simple, not easy, simple. And so our job as business owners is to look at the data that is coming back from our offer of a solution to someone's problem. So that when we put it out there into the world, and this is true from beautiful candles to great sweaters to a new sheet set, to a $50,000 coaching program. I don't care what it is. You've got to get the right solution in front of the right person at the right time. And in order to do that, when you launch something, when you release something, you look at what comes back. And what most people do is they go, see, it didn't work. And my question is, what didn't work? (laughs) What part of it didn't work? Where did you lose people? Why do we think we lost them there? What tiny levers? I always say that you're 2% change away from your best life, right? Like what tiny levers can we change? Can we work on in order to try it again? And maybe we make an 80% difference with that little tiny change. And maybe we don't, but we're not going to know until we try it again and we get data. And, And I get believe with so much love and so much compassion when someone says, I have to make a million dollars in 20 minutes, <laughs> not really, but you know, when people are in that moment, they're like, dear God, someone turn on a spigot somewhere with money. I know that can feel very, very challenging in a moment like that. And that is living in scarcity. Because if you understand when you get the data, so I'm going to use a basic funnel that a lot of people have in business, right? So let's say you have um, a social media post, you tell people to take action to a lead magnet, Right. That lead magnet starts a nurture sequence that goes into a sales sequence. So, and if anybody didn't follow me, I told it so cool. We'll we'll explain, right? So you do a social media post that says, hey, come get my top 10 things to do with your cat when it's shedding too much. I have no idea, right? Okay, so you do that thing and they go and they go on the landing page. 
Well, a landing page for a lead magnet should be, I say in air quotes, right? Where we want it to be is at 50%. Half of the people who land on that page, we want them to put in their email address so they can figure out the 10 best ways to help their shedding cat, okay? If that's not happening, that's what's not working. But you have to know that. So then we go and we look at the page and we tweak the copy. And maybe it's not the top 10 things you do. It's like the three easiest ways to get your cat to, I don't know, you start tweaking it. You start changing it. You put it back out. You're like, oh my God, it's 60%. That means you just blew the lid off. So now we've got 60% of people there. And then they don't open the email when you give them the thing. Well, dang it. Well, I can't sell to them if they don't open the email. So, okay, great. Let's look at the subject line. Now we start tweaking the subject line and we work on the subject and tell the open rates where we want it. And then, oh, they opened it, but now they're not clicking. Got it. We got to work on the click. And so this is the unsexy work. <laughs> yeah. Kick-ass business. I mean, it really, you want an abundant life. It's in these details because there is no secret sauce to business. All those formulas, everybody says, it's all baloney. She said, trying not to say bad words, right? Like you say there's bad nothing words. real there. There's <laughs> lots of bad words. There's nothing real there. What's real is you getting in and understanding what your people need to hear in order to take the action that will serve them, not serve you, to take the action that will serve them. And if you can get in there and get that data, you will have the most abundant life you can possibly have. And those little tweaks, none of them take more than 10 minutes. But people don't do them because it's not sexy. It's not taking a picture of me drinking coffee on Instagram, talking about how hard I'm working. It's like, nope, because that's not where the money is. It's, it's just not there. Nobody cares that you're drinking coffee working. You feel sexy. But what's actually sexy is figuring out where things have broken down so that you can become an expert about your people and sell to them properly in ways that work for them and serve them and help you create a living for you and your family. Oh, so there's this other belief then about what what business should be and what sexy in business and all these things that we think we should be doing. I love that you said that. It's the unsexy stuff that's going to move the needle for you. Yep. It's the stuff you do when no one else is watching and there are no deadlines and nobody knows but you that you are in the trenches tweaking three words to see if you can make a difference and change somebody's life with what you have to offer but it's not going to come from another fancy launch if the fancy launch hasn't been investigated. If you don't know what you need to say so that people go, oh my, thank you so much for creating this. This is exactly what I need. I've been waiting for you. I get, you know, I had somebody, total side note, I swear to God, but it comes from the unsexy. I was so moved by this, but somebody um, just signed up for my Abundance Academy and I was so excited for her because she's just she's just awesome, right? I'm like, oh, she's so on the cusp. She's going to blow up. I'm so excited. She sent me flowers. Aw. She was like, thank you so much for creating. I know it's going to make me cry. She's like, thank you so much for creating this. I cannot wait to jump in. And I was like, whose life is this? Like, this is the most amazing thing. But it's because I've taken the time to make sure I know her. And by her, I mean my person, my people who are out there banging their heads against the wall, trying to be like everybody else. How come that jack wagon's making a million dollars, which meanwhile, they're making a million, but they spent 1.5 to make a million. So don't worry. Anyway, but this one over here, like, and they're comparing and they're these gorgeous, beautiful souls who are so busy being high functioning codependent and not listening to their intuition that they're not creating business plans that work. I think that's what kills me so much about working with women entrepreneurs and wanting them to win is just knowing that everything is not as it seems. And, yeah. and that we've, we've bought into so much of this bullshit yep. and, and that we're, we have these solutions because we care and we want to fix something so fervently and that we're operating on a lot of like misinformation that's making it way more difficult than it has to be to get to where we want to go to where we want to help people and to, you know, build this business that gives us the freedom that we deserve to have and all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's coming back home. It's really coming back to your own heart and your own mind, wiggling your toes in all the many ways. And remember, you already have it. You already have it all inside of you right now. It's a matter of accessing it and trusting it and letting it out. Oh my God. So many good nuggets in here. And I'm glad that you, thank you for expounding on the data, what that actually means, because I don't necessarily love me a spreadsheet, but I do like to tweak on things. And that doesn't feel as scary as data. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes. And it is, but it is data, right? It's all information. It's information. Yeah. Information, Mm -hmm. knowledge, information is power people. 
So this is perfect. Thank you so much for all this information today. Information. <laughs> all of this was so good. So good. When, where can everybody reach you or find you? Or you mentioned um, your Abundance Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so Still excited. A little bit about that for a second. This was another one where people were like, you know what I'd love from you? I'm like, I don't know. Tell me, right? Um, we created it. Um, so the Abundance Academy is a year-long experience. It's not a program. There's not modules. That's not what it is. It's a weekly coaching call with me. Um, and also daily Voxer access to me, which we all love and adore. Uh, I do so love me some Voxer. Oh my God. We have so much fun. <laughs> we have just way too much fun. And there's a group Voxer for the Abundance Academy too. And what goes on in there can bring me to tears on a daily basis, just to support mm-hmm. and love. But um, the coaching lessons, right? So I will actually go in and teach and we teach on like the six human needs and what's driving your behavior. And, you know, someone will come in and be like, listen, this just happened in my life. I don't know where the abundance is in this. Right. And we'll break it down. And by the end of the call, people are like, holy crap, there really is abundance everywhere. And it's about living that for a full year. Um, It's, I don't think it's possible under a year because there's so much programming we're up against. Right. There's so much we've been living every single day. So a year inside this experience with other people who are fighting for the deprogramming of themselves as well. There's something so beautiful in this group. Um, and it really is about, you know, mastering your next level of abundance. And um, we have people, you know, the consistent 10K months, everybody talks about for sure. And we have other people who in a couple months, an extra 100K had come into the business. And so this is what happens when we start focusing on different things. So that's the Abundance Academy. Um, and once a year for six months, I run a sales mastermind. And I love that. What happens in the mastermind, obviously, there's serious lessons with me. Nothing is pre-recorded. They're all live lessons with me. So there's live coaching. I do have guest speakers as well. Um, and it's all about the ins and outs of heart-centered sales mm-hmm. um, and really understanding and then taking six months to practice it. Mm. Right. Both of those programs come with a day long retreat because I love me a virtual retreat where we do business breakdowns and we look at data, right? <laughs> we understand and we make plans together and that kind of thing. Um, and then I have a handful of one on one clients. Oh, nice. So, so lots of opportunities, lots of places that people can find you and learn learn more from you if they want to. And then we'll we'll include all the links to all of that. I will get the links from you since I screwed up the link to get booked here. <laughs> so we will, we will it. remedy that. I no mistakes, it. just opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming and spending the time with me today. It means a lot. I loved it. Thank you so much. It's been Thank such you. A and there you have it. Another inspiring conversation with another amazing woman entrepreneur. Before you go, a heartfelt thank you for being part of the Ravel family. Your support means the world. And if you like what you heard, please consider giving your fellow entrepreneur a virtual hug by sharing this episode on social or with a friend. See you next time.